Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Well, in 1963, an album came out that was considered a classic. And it is a holiday album. And one of the things that is great about it was that so many of the classic girl groups were a uh, made an appearance on this album. It was called A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector, and it came out in 1963. And you know, these girl groups, not only were they the songstresses for the holidays, they were the songstresses for a lot of the wonderful times in our lives. And we're talking 60s girl groups. And there is a book out now called But Will You Love Me Tomorrow? It is a oral history of the 60s girls groups written by Emily Sue Leibowitz and Laura Flam. And I am happy to tell you that we have Laura Flam with us today. Laura, welcome to Reality Check. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. Laura, but Will You Love Me Tomorrow, an oral history of the 60s girl groups is a book that was a passion project for you. Tell us why. Well, it's music that my co-author, Emily Leibowitz, and I have always loved. And we have uh, been seeing the shows live and just began to wonder about the girl groups, the, the lives of the women, mostly because it's music that we love so much and realize that for how much we know the music, we really didn't know that much about the women, the female artists behind it. Now, Emily, these are 60s girls groups we're talking about. So we're talking Supreme, Shirelles, Ronettes, the Marvelettes, and all these wonderful groups. What was it that got you into their music, though? Because I'm not sure you're the age demographic for uh, the groups. That is true. Uh, well, it was my parents' generation's music, technically, even though somehow that music is every generation's music. You know, it was it was played around the house. It was it appeared in all kinds of movies and TV shows that people who grew up listening to it made in the eighties. So, you know, it did spread to other generations, but there just is something about that music that it's just as fresh today as it was then. And it just speaks to every generation. I don't know why it's, it's magic. And most of these groups were uh, made up of women who were African-American. And so is that something that you thought was an interesting part of it? Because these songs sometimes were kind of pop and then sometimes they were kind of R&B and then sometimes they were a mixture of things. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that is so interesting is that, you know, this is possibly the first pop music, but it did come out of R&B and doo-wop roots and, um, and really... Um, you know, seeing groups performing on the corners in the 50s, you know, seeing groups performing guy groups and girls watching those performances and saying, you know, we can do this too. And we have an, our own voice and we want to write a song and we want to try to get our voice on the radio, just like the guys are, which is really where the whole thing came out from. And um, my author and I, uh, you know, neither, uh, I'm Jewish and she's half Vietnamese and half Jewish. And it was something that we wondered about coming to the project, which was one of the reasons that um, we chose the oral history format and felt that it was so important is that coming into the project, we really didn't want to try to insert ourselves or be any kind of authority over what happened in anyone's lives. So this oral history format really gave us an opportunity to step back and let people tell their stories in their own words. And, and part of the beauty of an oral history is that 
people can tell different versions of stories and you can include them all. So what was uh, the journey for you going from a fan to really someone who is preserving the legacy of these girl groups? How did that happen? And, and what was your process like? It's, you know, it's, it's a wild turn of life events for me because I, I am such a fan that it's still surreal to, to pick up, uh, you know, my phone and, you know, be talking to Nedra Talley Ross from the Ronettes or be texting with Martha Reeves or something. It's just absolutely surreal. But, um, you know, it was something that we started as a passion project, meaning we weren't sure that it was going to be published or how many people would see it. But we knew that the history was important and that the voices were leaving us as time was going on. And even just in the course of the last, you know, the last three and a half years, I, you know, we've lost almost 20 people in the book. And so it was so important that we decided to start working on it and just ended up being people that brought it over the finish line, which is, you know, very exciting. But overall, it's just such an honor to be able to have to gain the trust of such an incredible group of women who have been through a lot, um, you know, a lot through the music industry and exploited at times, but also who all across the board feel that what they did and their contributions have not really been well documented and that they really haven't gotten the credit for everything they did, not just musically, but also, you know, being in the 50s and the 60s, they really had a big part in, in American history that is just more that they're not traditionally credit, credited for. Now, uh, let me ask you, Laura, was this a tough sell in terms of getting to a publisher when you came in and said, hey, I want to do this oral uh, history of these 60s girls groups uh, that a lot of people may have forgotten or are, are not uh, as familiar with as some of the more contemporary ones? You know, it's very difficult to write a book and to write a book proposal, so I don't want to make it sound like it was easy. But one thing that is so easy about this project is that as soon as you mention it to somebody, their eyes light up because they know the music and they love it. And it, it touches a special place um, in their hearts and their relationships with people, you know, love relationships, the relationships with their parents. So many people still go to the shows and went to the shows with their parents. And so automatically, you know, there's, there's an in and it, the project with the same feeling we had when we ended up doing the project was, I can't believe no one has already done this. So in the end, it ended up, you know, we found a publisher and everything worked out. Right. Well, tell us in researching this book, because you're talking about some groups that were still performing, but as you said, these are women who are getting older. And how did you go about even finding uh, some of these women? And, And tell us also who you talked to. Oh, sure. Um, well, we ended up, everything from meeting people through other people, because, you know, the, the girl group scene is still a community now, you know, it's a group of women who've been, who've known each other since they were young girls and at times been on project, you know, package tours together. So it is a community and a lot of people still talk and a lot of people um, are still friends and have made new friendships within that community. So there was some introduction and then, you know, you find an interview that somebody did and you reach out to them trying to find the person and, and then also the phone book, which was an incredible source, because a lot of the women have, are not so famous that they can't, you know, be in their local phone book. When, so there is a lot of just phone book research. When you say phone book, are people still using phone books in 2023? What? That has to be the most surprising uh, uh, resource that I can imagine. I haven't seen a phone book in a couple of years now. 
Well, the phone book on the internet. Okay, got but it. But yes, all of our contact <laughs> information is out there, some more than others. But, um, you know, it was a challenge because this is mostly women and a lot of women get married and change their names. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of detective work, which was really fun too, of trying to find out, you know, you find out that somebody's changed their name to this and they once lived in this area. And from there, you just start making calls and trying to find people. Well, if you're just joining us, I'm Tanya Pendleton. This is Reality Check. And we're talking to Laura Flam. She is the co-author of But Will You Love Me Tomorrow? An Oral History of the 60s Girl Groups. Laura, who did you talk to? Let's uh, find out more about some of these wonderful uh, groups. And I think we actually have uh, a member of one of the groups who is also going to join us on the phone. Uh, So let me uh, back up and introduce Nedra Tally Ross. She is the last surviving member of the legendary Ronettes from New York City. That's right. (laughs) Hi, Nedra. How are you? Born around the same time, but I happened to be the baby. <laughs> yes. Oh, it so is a, I lasted the longest. <laughs> it is amazing to talk to someone who is part of the girl group era with hit songs like Be My Baby, which people remember walking in the rain, Baby, I Love You. And we were Girls just got them all. <laughs> yes. And we were just talking to Laura about uh, how there's a community around these girl groups. But Nedra, tell us, how did you get how, you started the Ronette, so how did that happen? No, I didn't start it. We all started together. Okay, fair enough. There's all kinds of stories, but we were cousins that would, would entertain uh, grandma and aunts and uncles and mom and dad on Saturdays. Mm. Sundays we went to church, and Saturdays we sang in the living room. And then uh, my mom was a singer, so... She had a chance to uh, sing with the Harry Belafonte group, and her mother said no. Mm. <laughs> what a disappointment she had in her life. And so she was not afraid to go downtown New York City to the agencies and stuff like that. So she did that. And then we just picked up a lot of the, you know, the sock hops. That was really big back then. That was a good amount of exposure to kids, you know with the rock and roll and that liked it and all that. We were East Coast girls, so we were from New York City. So uh, we hit that side of the rock and roll history like uh, for the a uh, lot of the other gro- groups that came from Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that was a different group. Uh, that was the Supremes and Martin, the Vandellas, the Temptations. They had a lot of that of... Uh, Kids was very gory, gory. And um, so we had Bill Spector, who was the new boy whiz, you know, that he was a boy genius. He really, really was. Right. And, and I'm very grateful to him for what he did for us. You know, it didn't work out very well with him and my cousin, uh, Ronnie. But, yeah, for us as a group... Uh, that's where we got our hit that real hit that before that we were with uh, Copix Records. I signed with them when I was 15. My mom had to sign for me to be able to be in the group and record and not to be in the group, but to record for Copix. And then um, we met 
still, and there's a lot of stories about that that's not true, uh, you know, that Estelle picked up a phone in New York City. Now think about this. New York City, and you dial a number, and it happens to be Phil Spector. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> that's not true. Think about it. <laughs> right, right. He came to the one of our big holiday shows we would do, Christmas, Easter, and Labor Day. So he, he would have these uh, rock and roll, um, you know, big uh, shows at the Brooklyn Fox Theater. So, but we were from Manhattan, so we had to go to Brooklyn. <laughs> All right. Well, I can I can relate. I'm from Manhattan too. Laura, let let me ask you, since we have Nedra on the line now, these are the kind of stories that you were compiling. Uh, when you were talking to these various members of the girl groups. And so, Nedra, when you first uh, heard that there was going to be a book done and it was going to be an oral history, what was, your, uh, what was your response to that? I was very excited about it, by it. I mean, I'm, I've done other things, but not, a, you know, my husband did a book, Scott Free. So, of course, he talked about the Ronettes and all that in it. And then... Um, different things over the years in the rock and roll history and stuff, uh, information brought out. But Laura, we really connected with Laura, fell in love with her, and uh, just enjoyed hanging out. And she was so easy to be with and talk about my life, our lives. And get some. she went after getting some things that were the truth you know, and putting down some stuff that was out there that wasn't. But if you're in show business, I tell you the things that people can say about you, you know, or, uh, yeah, I knew them when and I dated her or him or this or that. It's not even true. And you go, who was that you're saying? <laughs> right, right. Oh, Look, I was your first boyfriend. No, you weren't. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what was the biggest surprise for you in talking to these uh, girl groups? Uh, what was the the was there something that they all had in common that made it uh, their careers work out with these hit songs that we all love to this day? I think the thing that they all had in common was that they were all groups, it, with the exception of one group that I can think of off the top of my head, which is the Vandellas. They were all groups that were friends, relatives that loved music, that loved performance and got together out of love of music and spent so much time preparing, you know, working, preparing and, and, and making, and, you know, and making themselves, making their own identity. I mean, the Ronettes, for example, really, one of the things that I, that we really loved talking to with Nedra about was how they found their, their style mm. and um, her cousin Estelle, who, um, who looked who had gone to FIT of the Fashion Institute of Technology here in New York mm -hmm. and really had a big part in what turned into such an iconic look, not just for that time, but just forever. The Ronettes look is eternally iconic and 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 new. It feels new. Absolutely. Our makeup was a major part of it. We brought in the the really dark uh, eyeliner, the beaks on the sides. Uh, we danced. Besides singing, so we wore dresses that were tight, but then we had slits at the knee <laughs> so that you had leg movement. You know, that twist was real big back then. You needed to have your knee moving. <laughs> if your knee didn't move, you couldn't do the twins, twist, that kind of thing. 
Fox really helped promote all of that. I mean, because he would bring in all the artists. So we would be at this 10-day show and um, five shows a day with everybody from Dusty Springfield from, you know, England, Tom Jones from uh, Wales, um, the Ronettes from New York, California, the Southern Groups, um, the Supremes. uh, There's so many until it's crazy. It was all that was being done, the Temptations, uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, the... the, uh, Little Anthony from um, Jersey, mm-hmm. and then uh, Jay and the Americans from, like, I think it was Brooklyn they were from, something like that, Brooklyn, Jersey. Uh, but anyway, so it was all these shows that happened continuously, you know, from morning until night, late at night, 10 at night. And uh, so a lot of people got to see with one ticket. 10, maybe 10 groups. Wow, that would that that, that, that could never happen deal. today. <laughs> yeah, I know. You would never, you'd be in the poorhouse to see 10 groups. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it sounds like so much fun from what you are saying, Nedra, but there was also a, a, somewhat of a, a dark side to the business because of the business. Uh, the music business and how these girl groups were not credited or or paid uh, for their contributions. Laura, what did you find out uh, about that as it related to many of these groups? Well, we we were what was different from for us. We were not just uh, girls put together. We were girls that were born together. Right. So we had like my our mothers are sisters. So they had seven brothers and seven sisters. <laughs> wow. So when we did a show, we had seven uncles, uh, the, the blood uncles, and then the, the ones that married into the family. <laughs> so we were so protected. We traveled with um, our parents. My mom didn't travel with us that much because I had a baby brother. Mm-hmm. So she had to stay home with him. And uh, he was 11, so he got to come to the rock and roll shows and say, Nedra is my sister. Well, we don't look alike, but they say, no, she's not. And then I'd come and get him, and I'd kiss him. And then you go, no, 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 no. I told you she was, she was my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so he got to enjoy it, and the family got to enjoy it kind of thing. So we were... Blessed. I won't say lucky. People want to say stay lucky. I want to say we were blessed to have a tight knit family and a praying family. Our grandmother was still alive, and um, I mean, our family just catered to us. We, I'll tell you, a time we went to Jersey to do um, Jersey's known, wild, especially Wildwood, New Jersey's known for being mafia, and. Um, so anyway, we went there and we did a great show. We were supposed to be there for one week. And well, we would sold the place out. It was uh, the lines, the everything you want to know about. And so at the end of it, the the owners were like, uh, we want you to stay another week. And we said, we can't. We have another show to do someplace else. 
And they were like, no, we want you, <laughs> you know, with real strength. Well, I have a, a with all my aunts, I've got like every size, shape, and color. I have a red-headed aunt, a little tiny thing uh, with freckles. And she, she says, but she's hot. She's, she's, she's a killer diller. <laughs> she just said out to the room to these men, uh, I think she said to Estelle, um, I can't quite remember that, but she said, get, call the uncles. <laughs> they were like, the uncles? <laughs> Who are the uncles? <laughs> <laughs> No one wants 14 uncles coming down after right, that. Right. 14 uncles. Well, they were New Yorkers. Well, they were like six feet tall, the average height for them. They wore cowboy boots in New York City, suits with the vest, cowboy hats with the cane. <laughs> they were like, oh, my gosh. When they did show up in Jersey, they they just shut up and didn't say another word. Well, you and know, then I did have a play uncle, which I called my uncle Tony, who was mafia. Oh wow! <laughs> well, you know, I, I wish we had more time uh, because these are the kinds of stories that I'm sure you will find more of in uh, the book. But will you love me tomorrow? In Oral History of the 60s Girl Groups. It is co-written by Laura Flam, Nedra Tally Ross, the last surviving member of the Ronettes. Of course, uh, Ronnie Spector, she died last year. So we yeah, want to... Ex- the year before that. Yeah, we want to extend our... Right after Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and it, Ronnie it, died last year. I feel hurt in my heart. I dream about her almost every night. I see her every night. I see my husband who died just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, oh, so condolences. Like, I'm so sorry. I see her, and I remember Ronnie and I were so close, even though Ronnie and Estelle were sisters. But we were two and a half years apart. So we had five girls, and they would separate us by our ages. So Ronnie and I always got thrown together. And she would tell people, we these days, we we didn't go to the toilet separate from each other. We would sit on the toilet at the same time. <laughs> well, with that, unfortunately, we have to conclude uh, this segment. Nedra Tally Ross, thank you so, so much for being here and for joining us today. The Ronettes, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007, so deserved. And Laura Flam, the co-author of But Will You Love Me Tomorrow? an oral history of the 60s girl groups. And that's where you can find even more stories uh, from Nedra Tally Ross and all of the wonderful women who were involved in those 60s girl groups from the Marvelettes to the Supremes and even more. Thank you so much for being on Reality Check today, ladies. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 